Dan here from Grit Performance. I'm one of the co-founders here and just wanted to drop in, give a brief introduction to the Grit Performance show, as well as our first guest speaker. So as many of you know, uh, every month we have a different theme that we follow here at Grit Performance. And September's theme, we thought we would kick off with uh, a theme of overcoming adversity or overcoming obstacles as a young athlete. Uh, many of you right now are having to deal with this uh, in the current world we're living in. You're probably unsure of whether you're going to have a season this year or what that season might look like, uh, and you're facing a little bit of adversity. Um, so our guest speaker today, uh, or guest interview, uh, is with Crystal Phillips, who I think will help give some perspective on the adversity that we're having to face today as she, as a young athlete, had to face um, just uh, an incredible amount of adversity and overcome a lot of challenges that hopefully none of us have to experience ourselves. But it's just a really great story from just an awesome human being. And we're so grateful that Crystal came uh, to the Grit community to share her story. Uh, she's going to talk a little bit about um, her young athletic journey and how uh how she overcame a lot of obstacles that were put in her way um, and faced some different situations and how she overcame that. Uh, and she's also going to talk about how she's taking lessons she learned from competing in sport as a young athlete and applying them today um, in the charitable sector and the business world and some of the other amazing endeavors that she's involved in now. So, um, Really excited to introduce you to Crystal Phillips. Send your questions in um, on wherever you're watching this or wherever you're listening to this, and we look forward to hearing from you. Hello, Grit Performance Athletes. Thanks for joining us, and parents as well, if you are. Uh, we're really excited about this. This is our Grit Performance show, our first one ever. My name is Christopher Bruton, and I'm one of the founders of Grit Performance. This is my business partner, uh, over to the far side, Dan Tatton. Hi, everyone. And we are very, very lucky on our first ever Grip Performance Show to have a special guest, Crystal Phillips, a dear friend of mine. So thanks for joining us, Crystal. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So um, I think the best way to get started is we have our bios on our website, but what's more important is to know a little bit about you, your athletic journey, how that's tied into a lot about who you've become as a person and all the successes you've had um in your life thereafter with um the branch out foundation which we'll get to at the end we want people to know more about it and to get involved and to donate and keep that uh, legacy of yours alive and then also your new endeavor within air labs so turning that over to you could you explain a little bit about your bio and and kind of what you've gone through uh through your athletic career and and to where you are now yeah so i, I always joke that um back when i was younger i was better known as quadzilla because <laughs> really large leg muscles and was known for that or thunder thighs and that um, was actually not an insult and in fact it was quite a compliment because I was a speed skater and bigger bottom heavy creatures in that sport and the bigger your thighs because sometimes that means the faster you go so um, it was a natural for me to move from figure skating to speed skating after seeing it on the Olympics and being inspired and feeling like it was a more of a personality fit because I didn't have to wear a dress or makeup. <laughs> and, um, and so with that genetic advantage of big legs, I was able to excel in the sport really quickly at a young age, representing Canada, traveling all around the world, winning North American and Canadian championships, 
And so usually when you continue and have this big dream of going to the Olympics, in speed skating, uh, at least if you live in Western Canada, I come from a small town in Alberta, uh, you move to Calgary because that's where some of the fastest ice in the world is and it's where one of our national training centers is. So I moved to Calgary when I was 16 to pursue my Olympic dream in speed skating and going into, I think it was 2005, I was nominated as a hopeful for the 2010 Olympics. And in that same year, I went from one of the top speed skaters in Canada to not walking three days later. And I lost feeling from my chest to my toes. I lost bladder control and developed double vision in a matter of three days. Hmm. And I was told that I had multiple sclerosis and I didn't know how to react because I didn't know what that meant. Um, but then they told me the scariest news I've ever heard in my life, which was you will probably never speed skate again. And that was really shocking, but thankfully up until that point, I hadn't really dealt with a whole lot of adversity. My life was pretty simple and easygoing up until that point. So um, I think being naive about how serious this disease was, even though I had such a, a bad um, attack with my body going numb, I, I really didn't believe them that I could never speed skate again. So I, long story short, uh, was able to utilize the, the resources I had on the national team to relearn how to walk, bike, and eventually, although I looked like a baby giraffe on ice, I was able to skate. And I raced my first competition. The, you know, my friends and family, the community was really excited, cheering loudly. I cried myself to sleep that night because my times were so sucky compared to before I was sick. And I woke up the next morning and it's like a line was drawn right down the middle of my body and the entire left side of my body went numb overnight. Wow. And that's when it really hit me. Okay. I'm not an invincible teenager. I really do have this serious disease and there's gotta be something I can do to get back to a competitive level and be able to skate long-term. So I explored both conventional treatments like a daily drug injection that I was on for five years. And then I also explored unconventional treatments to give myself this holistic perspective of how do I treat my disease? And so became a nutritionist and, and um, studied herbal medicine and basically was a, a guinea pig for all things, quote unquote, conventional and unconventional healing. Um, and it got me back to a really highly competitive level in sport, uh, making it to the, the qualifications for the 2010 Olympics and then went into the pre-Olympic season of training and went into relapses or MS attacks and lost vision in my left eye overnight. Um, I was told at this point that my disease was progressing even more and I would be in a wheelchair in a couple of years and recommended more aggra aggressive drugs, decided not to go that route, go off all my drugs completely and treat my disease naturally um, I took a really aggressive um, strategy on how to do that. And eight months later, I came just a few spots off the Olympic team. And 10 years later is now. And although you can't see um, my whole self, I'm not in a wheelchair. In fact, I've never had any major um, relapses or problems with my MS since. So um, yeah. that has given me a lot of interesting um, insight into the health system. Yeah. And um I, uh, we usually have a, a word or, or um, a theme that we have for each um, episode. And when Dan and I talked a lot about you, um, we really saw this as uh, overcoming obstacles. And we'll get into this a bit of these questions um, in terms of our young athletes and overcoming uh, obstacles. Obviously, yours was, was um, huge and, and monumental to your health and, and mental 
and um, everyone around you as well and what you have to go through. So um, we want to make note that, that uh, you're you overcoming your obstacles and what you did through your athletics also helped you, you know, become better as a person who you are now. Um, just before Dan gets into the questions, I want to thank you personally. Um, those that don't know, uh, my father actually has MS and I came to you kind of hat in hand and you were so gracious to, to meet with me because uh, uh, I really wanted to try to help him, you know, find some better sources than, um, like you said, the, the ongoing injections and such. And I was uh, fortunate enough to go to two of your fundraising uh, branch out bike foundations out here um in panorama and in vermeer and they were one of the best parties and best fundraising events i've ever been to and i know they will be back on uh in time so at the end uh we'll really like to speak to you about that and uh hear more about how we can help out so dan why don't you take it from there thanks chris yeah uh, crystal what a what a story when i was reading uh about your young athletic career and can only imagine what you probably were going through at that time and trying to figure things out and, and uh how frustrating that could have been. So we, we really started Grit um, to build a platform for young athletes to get mentorship and professional training and, and physical education. Um, but I want to sort of dive back with you, like when you were coming up as a, as a young athlete and maybe just tell, um, tell the athletes listening to this show um, how you went about thinking about training at that time and what other types of maybe obstacles or challenges you saw along the way as just a young athlete up and coming in that space? Yeah, good. it's a good question. I, I think the, the biggest challenge was when I was a figure skater and a tomboy and didn't want to wear dress and makeup and it just wasn't a good fit for me. So the way I overcame that one is I decided to pick a sport that I really loved. Um, I loved the people that I met. I loved, um, I loved the feeling of the movement of skating. I loved the winters. It was just such a fit all around that that is, I mean, I think first and foremost, the most important thing because all of the determination and the hardships that sport brings, it builds resilience. It's really tough. Um, it requires a lot of time and skill and effort, but when it's fun, um, it becomes a lot easier and and um, and a lot um, more consistent because you can you can just keep going and and kind of forget the, about the pain really along the way. I, I love that a lot, and it's such a good message um, for all the kids listening at home right now uh, about falling in love with your sport first, um, and that's actually going to help you propel yourself to that next level if it is something that you actually want to pursue and get to the next level. Um, I wanted to ask you quick about um, the actual training. When when did you start training really hard and start thinking at like a level of the Olympics and all of this? Um, and then what did your schedule look like as an athlete at that time? Were you doing other sports too, or were you kind of just solely focused on, on this one thing? Yeah, so I, I started out playing all the sports, skiing, baseball, gymnastics, figure skating, running, volleyball. Um, but eventually it comes to a point where if you really want to excel in one, you kind of have to pick pick one and that's really hard. But thankfully I was able to pick one and then the other ones were looked at as more social activities. So it, it was nice because some of my training for speed skating ended up being those other sports that I liked, like biking or um, you know gymnastics teaches a lot of, about flexibility and it was really complimentary to um, to speed skating. So, 
Um, I think having a well-rounded exposure to sports is really good. But if you want to go to the Olympics in something, at some point you do have to make a sacrifice and you have to pick the sport that you want to um, you know, go a long way in. And, and so the two sports that I went pretty far in was softball and speed skating. But I, I eventually came to a point where I couldn't do both. The training was de- too demanding. And so I had to make a choice and, and chose speed skating. Nice. Do you remember that moment at all? Like when you decided that speed skating was the thing? Like, do you, do you have that memory? Yeah, because softball is such a seasonal sport. It was really um, about, do I want to take it to the next level? I would have to move to the States. Um, and, and then I would have to give up speed skating. And honestly, it was an easy decision. I was so invested in, in skating and realized that um, softball was more of a hobby sport for me. When you were in, in kind of the, uh, the younger stages though, when you were doing the activities and you had your, you know, your elite kind of sports you were focusing on, did you still feel like, like you said, complimentary that a lot of those other sports and, and diving into those and, and kind of letting your mind escape, you know, just speed skiing and doing, you know, um, certain motions all the time. Do you think it made you a better athlete? Do you think it made you, you know, kind of hungrier for that one individual sport to touch on these other one activities as well? Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't think we'll get into the whole mental and physical part of sport, but I think the, the biggest thing was mentally, it helped me figure out how to work with a team when you're a team sport um, and figure out how to just work with different athletes and different dynamics, different types of coaches, different types of training. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally, I thought that was really healthy, but then also physically um, learning about, you know, even just having the exposure to what different athletes eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for so many reasons, it was really helpful to have that well-rounded perspective and experience in sport. That's, that's, that's amazing. And, um, I'm just thinking now fast forward into those years where you're looking at the Olympics. You're like, you're probably thinking as a young athlete, this is my dream. This is amazing. And then you get hit with a level of adversity that I, I can only imagine. And I think only a few people could probably imagine. Uh, so diving into that mental aspect, what, what did you dig into uh, to be able to deal with that adversity at first? Um, and then what kind of lessons did you learn along the way having to, to move through it? Yeah, it, it definitely was annoying. And I like how you asked the question because you asked about the two stages because there really are two stages. At first, I dealt with it like a really normal human being. Um, I thought the world was against me. I, I asked the question of why me? I was frustrated, I was angry, I took things out on people. Um, you know, you, you react in a way that is, is actually, now that I look at it, quite selfish. Um, but thankfully I had, you know, a family that gave me that, the good kind of tough love where, um, rather than just giving me sympathy, there was empathetic for my situation, but they were also really future and forward focused. So it was about what can you do about this? Make an action, uh, focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Focus on what you, what you can eat, not what you can't eat. And by having that mentality and developing that skill, working with my sports psychologist who gave me lots of tips on how to mentally train, it had nothing, I I think, you know, the physical training, I already knew how to do that. So that was just like 
following my, you know, physiotherapists and coaches guidelines. And, and I knew how to push through that kind of pain to get back. It was the mental part that was really, really challenging mm. um, because my whole world got rocked. And up until that point, I hadn't really dealt with enough adversity to have the resilience. So um, thankfully, I was around a community of people who gave me that um, that empathy over sympathy, um, the tough love, and and also the encouragement and love and support that I needed to get back into it. So I highly recommend to anyone to you know collect those people and also ask for help. It's not about you know being selfish because people really do want to help you. So if you act in it act in a way that you know you're really using people's help and and you're giving back to the community at the same time by showing you know good leadership skills or whatever volunteering whatever the case um you know it's it becomes this circulatory um system where everybody benefits well, that's incredible advice and something that i know we're going to have a lot of parents and coaches watching uh this show and uh, just to give them some ideas of how to be there for their athletes when they hit levels of adversity, maybe not like what you went through, hopefully, um, but how they can be there and be a support. And I love what you said around building your community and collecting those people in your life that are, they're going to be there to support you in the right way all the time. Um, just amazing. Mm. Um, Chris, I know you had another couple of questions. Sorry. Yeah. Well, um, I think we really touched on the, on the, you know, obviously the obstacles you overcame uh, mentally and how you kind of grouped that together and what you use. And, you know, there's almost like a diet to that, all the influences and, and what you're keeping in. So I was really curious on, um, you know, the holistic approach that you started really living towards um, to get healthy, you know, with your nutrition, uh, the decisions and how important um, that was to performing not only as a great athlete, but like we're talking about now as a person and with your medical condition. So really interested in, in your, on your take on how important your nutrition is and, and sleep and just, you know, how you've taken care of yourself to really overcome what everyone else has thought um, has had to, you know, use conventional drugs and such. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I learned it all from sport mm -hmm. that I thankfully was able to take those lessons from sport and apply it to my health. Um, I always remember a story from my coach. His name's Arno Hoogveld. He, um, I, I remember I went, I was sick. Um, I had a, another bout with MS and I was out of skating for a couple of weeks. And I remember complaining to him and I was trying so hard to do everything that I could that I started overtraining and overtraining. And I thought, okay, well, if my competition didn't have to take two weeks off, um, I'll just make up for it by extra training. And he told me this story. He's like, you play the piano. He's like, what happens if you were to play all the notes all at once? And I was like, I don't know, noise? And he's like, exactly. So what makes the melody of the music? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, it's the space between those notes that make the melody. And he said, it's going to be the space between your training programs and your actual skating that actually creates your performance in sport and your health. And so that really resonated with me because then it gave me that freedom to um, really focus on not just training and training and training, but also looking at what am I eating? How am I thinking? Um, how is my sleep? How is my happiness level? Um, how are my friends and the, my relationships with my family and friends? And that's what I learned is truly that space between. And once I started to create that balance in my life, 
I was able to just skyrocket with my um, with my results in skating, and that's when I got back to that elite level. Oh, amazing! Um, we're a discipline. I bet this is great because Kirsten and I were just having a conversation about the importance of recovery and preparation as it relates to performance that gets missed a lot um, because we're so focused on well, if I just push myself as hard as I can always, I'll. I'll raise the bar and my performance will improve and that we just know that's not always the case. And uh, it, it's actually just not the case. We need recovery. We need sleep. We need to be happy. Uh, you speaking on the love of your sport at the beginning of this show was so important. And uh, as coaches and parents, we need to be supportive of that and let our athletes find love in the sport. However, that might be um, before we start pushing them into uh performance so i just i just love what you're saying about all of that crystal it's such a good message for for everyone to to be hearing right now i'd i'd love to hear a little bit more about sort of like what you're up to now we've got on the scroll on the bottom we've got a couple of websites up that uh are, are things that you're involved in and i know chris knows a lot of this but i don't so i'm just curious and well, and we need and we want um you know parents out there to they're going to want to get to know you better and um, the Branch Out Foundation is really your legacy and dear to you. And I know you're still on the board and um, big with me. So I think if you could start out with that and where people could help out, um, you know, what they can do to get involved, that'd be great. And then we want to hear about what you're doing now. Yeah, well, thank thank you. The I mean, after my personal experience, I learned a lot about some of the gaps in the system. Um, and I wanted to make sure that there was really good quality science behind some of these natural approaches to healing neurological disorders like MS, like concussion, like depression, like Alzheimer's. Um, and so I started the Branch Out Neurological Foundation to literally branch out and fund an entire new field of study that focused on innovative technologies and unconventional approaches. And so I was able to grow that charity and when I first started to do it, I, I came up with this, this problem of, well, I'm trying to change the face of neuroscience across the country, and my background is skating in circles for 20 years. So I learned that great skill of outsourcing your life. I was able to find all of the smart people to be able to facilitate all this, and then I focused on my strengths, which was organizing um, teams, motivating them. I, was, I loved biking. I loved throwing good parties for people to have fun at. And so I threw a bike tour, which Chris has attended a couple of times, and I raised a little bit of money, and then the momentum began, and, and ever since then was able to build from that momentum and raise millions of dollars and fund research in eight universities across the country. And so grew that charity for 10 years, which was really exciting. And now I've been able to move, move from um, running all of the operations of the, of the charity to I'm sitting on the board and helping the new CEO run the operations as I pursue my new job with Thinair Labs, where I'm leading um, a health investment company where we invest in health companies and we support health companies with various resources, whatever they need to be successful. Um, and that's really to create a new uh, community of health-focused entrepreneurs and and hardworking people in, in Alberta. Crystal, your story is just incredible. And I mean, there's about a million 
different pieces of it I'd love to expand upon, but maybe the one we'll focus on right now is um, one message we always try and talk to our athletes about is what sport can do for you uh, or what participating in sport can do for you as a young athlete um, that helps you move forward in life, uh, whether or not you go on to compete at the highest levels or compete professionally, what are some of the lessons that you can learn throughout this time as you compete as a young athlete that you can take with you um, forward in life like you have uh, in doing some of the incredible work you've done and are doing? Um, maybe just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm really passionate about that topic because I didn't really value or really appreciate how many skills I learned from sport that were transferable after sport. And I don't think athletes get this message enough, or maybe even companies get this message enough to understand that there is this skill and this resilience and this strength in athletes. And it's almost like when you do face those obstacles, embrace them because those are gonna be the best life lessons, the best degrees that you ever get when it comes to applying them to real life. Um, really it's about figuring out solutions, focusing on what you can do. Those types of things are so valuable and, and worth so much to a company. Um, and they're also really entrepreneurial if you want to start your own company. So I think as you, I think it's it's really a matter of building your confidence, um, embracing all of the the physical and mental pains that are inevitable as you you climb the ranks in whatever sport you're in, um, and know that it's not only to access you know the, the the top skills in your sport and to be able to optimize your performance in sport, but it's going to be transferable, and that all the work that you're doing right now is for life. It's not just because there's this end date of you know, 30 years old when you're, you know, no longer competitive in your sport anymore. Right. That's huge that you said the, uh, you know, what you said, you know, you can only control what you can control. And I had a huge issue with that in sport. And and, and then when you try to control things you couldn't, you'd go in your own head. And and I learned that finally in life when I looked back on how much it was detrimental. And, and in life now, you, I've been able to use that and take a lot of pressure off myself in, in sales and marketing that the things I can't control are, are just things that I can't let bother me and I've been better for it. So that was a huge kudos that you said that and uh, I get that very much. So well done. Um, any final parting words to the parents, coaches and athletes um, watching at home? And then I also do want you to, to plug, uh, like branch out and tell people like, is it just go to the website or is there anything happening right now? All that kind of stuff. So kind of two final questions for you. Yeah, I mean, with Branch Up, that's an easy one for athletes because our main main fundraising event of the year is a, is a bike tour. It's digital this year, but next year, hopefully, we'll have another live event out in Panorama in Invermere. So that's super fun. It's great team building. It's great training and exercise. Oh, yeah. um, baking, biking is good for just about any sport um, for cross-training. And then it also gives you those... Uh, great feelings of, you know, I'm making a change in this world, I'm doing something good. And, you know, I'm not just, you know, doing sport for my own love of sport, I'm actually doing it because I can help others in the process. And nothing's more motivating than that. So thank you for the opportunity for me to talk about 
branch out and that's just branchoutfoundation.com. You can find out more about that. So um, thank you so much for having me on, on this show. I think these are really important lessons that I, I wish that I was hearing more of when I was at a younger age, um, because especially that whole mental resilience and mental training and, and the focus on, on all of that work, I think we need to look at our brain just like we look at our, I looked at my, you know, my quads. <laughs> I think it needs the same attention for nutrition and it needs the same attention for exercise and training. Amazing. It, it's been an honor to have you on as our first guest on the, uh, as a show. We'd love to have you back and expand on this conversation sometime down the road. Cause I know, uh, I know we're going to get lots of comments from the parents and athletes out here. And um, next time we will be going live. So they'd be able to ask questions as we go, but uh, this was a great introduction to everything you're doing and uh, any parting words, Chris. No, um, obviously, thank you, Crystal. It had to be you. We had a few lined up coming, and I said it needed to be Crystal because that's what we're all about the great performance. And we want to offer to, you know, our athletes and the parents and really try to, to um, you know, mold a, a new generation of, of different training and mental approach and holistic uh, nutrition and such. So I knew it had to be you, and super grateful for the opportunity to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Cool.